This is Work of the Beat. It is Thursday, March 16th, 2023. I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us. Happy unofficial national holiday, everybody. It's the beginning of March Madness. Even if it's different this year without any local teams in the NCAA. Uh, but we're going to have some fun. We'll talk to John Kincaid, uh, the host of the aptly named John Kincaid Show on 97.5 The Fanatic. Talk a little bit about everything going on. The Eagles in free agency. The Sixers. Winners of six in a row at this recording. Uh, as they played really well last night in Cleveland. Got a little bit of a fortuitous break on a call at the end, but they'll take it. They're pretty much locked into a top three seed. The question is, is it going to be one, two, or three? And uh, we'll also talk about the, <clears throat> I don't want to say the morning show wars because that's so cliche and hokey and all that. But obviously, you know, the landscape of morning radio and how it's changed now that uh, Angelo Cataldi, his one of his friends uh, for years and years and years has gone and been replaced by a new morning show over at 94 WIP. Uh, how it impacts Kincaid show. He is uh, just re-upped with a new contract. Um, but how it's kind of changed. How do, does anything change? I guess that's the better question. And then Mr. Kern and I will delve into some of the issues of the day. We'll get our first reaction. It is almost 5 o'clock as we're recording this. So the afternoon session of March Madness is winding down. Um, biggest upset of the day so far, Furman beats Virginia in a um, in, an all-time ending uh, with a errant pass and uh, a three-pointer at the buzzer to win it. Uh, but this is one of the great days of the year in sports. If you're a sports fan, today and uh, Friday, and Friday cap it off with St. Patrick's Day. Whew, that's a that's a doubleheader. So, uh, so that's what we have going on here uh, as we begin, and uh, so we will get be get underway. It's John Kincaid. He is joining us here on Work of the Beat in a brief second. And joining us now, glad to have him on board. Uh, second trip onto the podcast with us. Um, he is the morning host of the well, the host of the John Kincaid Show on ninety-seven five from six to ten a.m. every morning on ninety-seven five. I should point out again, um, but he's been a fixture a long time. Was a long time fixture in Atlanta. Uh, worked for fixture, Mike. I like that. Worked for Mike Keenan. <laughs> yes. Uh, was fired by Bobby Clark. Yes, May 11th, 1988. Not that I hold a grudge. Exactly. And um, has is one of the best communicators, I think, in a morning show that you get, okay? Because he tells you what he thinks, clear, concise. The show has a flow. It's John Kincaid. John, how are you? I'm doing well, and welcome to The Fanatic yourself. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm it's having great. a lot of fun. I, I love getting a chance to listen to you sometimes on the weekends, and uh, and I know you guys are having some fun. You keep current in line like I keep Cooney in line. <laughs> well, it's the hey, I'm, I'm an old retired guy. I don't need no tuning in. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> well, well, hold on. <laughs> it's something with the Daily News alums. It's tough to keep them under control sometimes. It is. It really is. It's fun, though. I really enjoy it. So it's a, it's a great time. Especially if you tell them, hey, you worked at the Inquirer, and then you watched Especially with Kern, his head explodes. Oh. I didn't work at the Inquirer. It's okay. It's okay. That's what Cooney. 
That's what Cooney does too. He gets his eyes light up. It's okay. Yeah, they're, they're not bad people. I just didn't work there. <laughs> Different cafeteria floor. Anyway, um, I want to get into the morning show stuff in a second. Um, sure. But let's get to the news of the day. I, I heard you guys on the way in the work this morning about the Howie Roseman annual look at what I'm going to pull you know, trick, which is he gets Darius Slay back. He gets uh, uh, Bradford back. Um, uh, Bradbury. Or Bradbury. Yeah. I'm sorry, Bradford. It's all right. <laughs> it's that kind of day. Um, you know, C.J. Uh, Gardner Johnson's still out there, uh, you know, and yet you were concerned a little bit because you don't I know am. what the future bill is going to be for all this. And well, you, I'm not, I'm, I'll tell you, it's not just the future bill. It's the fact that what did we learn from the last Super Bowl championship team? Don't get sentimental. Uh, is, is, is that they got sentimental. Who has he brought back? Now, Kelsey came back on his own, and they wanted Kelsey back right there. But he pursued Fletcher Cox. He out, He went and got Fletcher Cox to come back. He went and got Slay to come back. Like, I mean, th- th- it's, it seems as if the younger player, to me, the target all along, and I really believe it, should have been C.J. Gardner-Johnson. He was my number one target in free agency. And I always expected that Slay was going to be here on a renegotiated deal and Bradbury would be gone. When Bradbury left and, and then came back, I was like, that shocked me big time. But the thing is, the only way I was truly going to be really happy with the plan is if Bradbury came back and then you go to C.J. Gardner-Johnson. When I saw last night, when I woke up this morning at like 4 in the morning and I see that Slay's back, I, I don't know. Well, the devil's I, in the... At, at O'Hara, they, they taught us math at O'Hara, but right. they didn't teach us that good of math because I have no idea how they'll be able to afford C.J. Gardner-Johnson when you're giving Fletcher Cox $10 million. And break out the slide ruler is basically what it becomes. I mean, yeah. you're, you're, you're putting everything... But my question is, one, the devil's in the details with Slay. It was clear they wanted him to, to take a, a, a contract alteration and to restructure and all that. And it looked like he didn't. And maybe he got out on the market, realized that he wasn't going to get close to what he thought he was going to get, especially at his age. And it kind of put Howie in a position of strength, perhaps. Where I can believe that, that yeah. that's the case. But the thing is, it's the, it, it, the savings of the money is what matters to be able to do it. Now, the interesting thing was what we saw out of CBS Sports that as of March 15th, Howie Roseman and Mr. Laurie had a 10-day window to be able to pay money ahead to A.J. Brown and to, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm drawing up. Uh, Hassan Reddick. Hassan yeah. Reddick. $15 million to Reddick, $10 million to A.J. Brown. That would make their salaries for next year $1.08 million each, and which turn, is ridiculous. And eventually, essentially turn them in the signing bonuses, which could be spread out through the contract and create more dead money down the road. And I, and if you're talking about that, you take $25 million, you pay it up front. God bless Mr. Lori if that's what he's doing. Because if that's what he's doing, that is huge. Mike? It's like, it's like when you put stuff on your credit card. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, yeah. and, and, and we're credit, we are credit card adverse yeah. in my house. My wife and I like knowing, like, uh, we if we want to get something done, Mike, we we budget for it, set aside for it, and say, okay, we'll do it in March. We'll do wow. it. Wow. I'm not into. I am not into putting like a big ticket item and saying, well, we got two or three years to pay it off. That right. makes me. That makes me anxious. And I'm, just, and I don't I'm want to be negative. 
Yeah, I'm one of those weird people. We put stuff, I put a lot of stuff on the credit card, but every month we pay it. So right, it never, right, exactly. never any interest or anything. But like, aren't a lot of teams in the NFL kind of in this bind, though? I mean, I look at some of these other teams, like all the things the Jets are trying to do and all San things, Francisco. And say, well, how, like, yeah, how right. are they paying for it? I, I, are they doing the same thing? Well, Howie, um, I don't know if it, I don't know if you guys do it too, but I have uh, I, I put money in envelopes and stick it in my safe. Like I have, like I have, like I'll have it's his Vegas fun here for like John. For like it's his Vegas fun. Howie breaks into vacation. his Vegas fun. Yeah. Right. Next time we go to Parks Casino, here's an envelope already. You know, Pop Up has envelopes already with our gambling money and everything. So you know I've got that, that. Our Dude. parents did that. Yes. I remember yeah. parents back in the day before probably they didn't even have credit card. And that's what they had. Here's the vacation envelope. Here's this envelope. And that's how they lived. My, look, look, my dad was a mailman in Drexel Hill, yeah. who, by the way, delivered the Philadelphia Bulletin in the oh, afternoon. Nearly After, everybody reads that. Yes. And uh, <laughs> old Buck the bartender, who I interned yeah. for, that Bob Patron. Uh, God rest his soul. We shared a birthday, by the way, Patron and I. Wow. And um, he, uh, but my dad delivered mail and, and never had a credit card ever. He bought cars in cash. Yeah. He, he did, he didn't believe in it. And my mom had the same type of measures. Look, so it just gives me an anxious feeling when you're saying kick yeah. the can down the road, because what's it going to be? If I fast forwarded a year right now, are we talking about the departure of J- the retirement of Jason Kelsey? Jason Kelsey said one more year mm-hmm. and very clearly. So we're talking about the retirement of Jason Kelsey. Brandon are we Graham. talking about are we talking about Brandon Graham, right? We're talking about Fletcher Cox, who they gave a one year deal to. Lane right. Johnson. So, so what I mean, what are we talking about mm-hmm. next year? And, and and why don't you want a youth movement to be spread out over a series of years? That's where I'm a little concerned. But Howie's the master and Howie continually proves people wrong. I just worry about the age on the roster. And, that's well, where and this is why they better have a good draft, and you better hope the guys from last year's draft can play. Oh, yeah. If, and if I, that doesn't happen, then they got an issue. I can tell you, I was at both of their national signing days coming out of high school, Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean, wow. when they became Georgia Bulldogs when I was down south. And, uh, yeah, on, on Sports Talk Radio in Atlanta, they talk high school recruiting. Yep. Yeah. Of college for their college programs, mm-hmm. and they're really into it. And National Signing Day, guys take off just like they took off today wow. for NCAA tournament action. They take off to come into these giant parties, and we would have it at the College Football Hall of Fame. And I've watched these two guys. I have no doubt that uh, Jordan Davis is a spectacular player. Nicobe Dean is a spectacular player. How does that translate to the NFL? I didn't get to see it enough last year right. to know. So. I, I don't know. I'm just being cautiously skeptical. See, and uh, I've never been off the boat on Howie. I've never jumped ship. And I've never and I didn't jump ship on Jalen Hurts, so I'm happy with that. I kept I kept rational about it. But that doesn't help that doesn't stop me from questioning and saying, okay, there's a logical concern here, and here's what it is. I will admit. I one I have jumped off the boat on Howie, and now I'm I'm back in the boat. I mean, you jumped off the on, boat right? on everybody. I, Kevin. I do. Well, I'm I'm Irish Catholic. What do you want? There you go. Uh, and I'll say this: what I saw Jordan Davis after the injury, I'm hoping it was the injury, because especially in the Super Bowl. And I get it; he got limited snaps, right? But he was brought in to be a run stuffer, 
And even on the Mahomes play at the end, which set them up basically for the field goal to win it, he got turned and twisted and had no idea what he was doing. And that worries me for a guy who it has does. played who has played at a high level of college football. He has. I don't think he got enough reps this year. And part of that was the injury. Part of that was their defensive rotation. Tracy Rocker, too, with constantly with his rotations of the pass rushers. Yep. That's the story. That's the story of the Super Bowl that baffles me. Why all of a sudden, all year long, you look at the snap counts of the Philadelphia Eagles and then go to Super Bowl Sunday. And all of a sudden, same guys. It's, it's Hassan Reddick, and then they're doing 70 something snaps. That's not what they did all year long. And in Delco, Kevin, we were mm-hmm. always taught dance with who brought you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't, you do not change up your game plan on Super Bowl Sunday, break the wheels off your two biggest pass rushers, and hardly use anybody else. Brandon Graham. Brandon, it was a dumb strategy to me. Brandon Graham had 14 or 15 snaps, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yes. And there were other guys at 12. I, mean, I think Cox had like 45. I mean, yes, they, they broke the wheels off them. Yeah. And, and they were winded at the make, end. And that made no sense to me. And it's one of the things. And Tracy Rocker's another guy. I watched him when he was at Georgia and yep. bouncing around the SEC. So uh, I, I, I tell you, I, that's, the, that's the story of the Super Bowl that I that I can't get past. Also the fact that everybody wants to blame Jonathan Gannon. I think the defense gave up 28 points, which by the way, is left. I say they 24. Gave up 20. Yeah. 24. I think, why do you say that? Two, touch- See, I think, two touchdowns was a punt return. Yeah. But the thing is though, here's the, yeah, I guess that's a good one because the Jalen fumble, they lost, they lost the Super Bowl by three points and Jalen gave them seven. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no matter how great Jalen was, Patrick Mahomes didn't give the Eagles seven. That's right. The, the, the Chiefs special teams didn't give the Eagles first and goal at the four. Yep. I mean, people people want to blame Gannon. And it's so lazy. It's such a lazy, no. it's such lazy narrative to me. And That's it's because true. this city this city blames coaches. Oh, sure. It never it doesn't want to blame their players. It doesn't want to blame the fact that Jalen made a huge mistake that Patrick Mahomes didn't. Well, and John, he, he was, and John, right. I'll take it down further. Okay. You want, you're talking about how people blame Gannon. Okay. Okay. I'll use another sport. I'll flip it to another sport. Rob Thompson is the only reason the Phillies sniffed the world series last year. Okay? There's no question. And yet I actually heard somebody say this wasn't on our station. It was on somebody else's that that is the worst coaching move in Philadelphia sports history. That's ridiculous. Pulling Zach Jim Wheeler. Fergosi, Jim Fergosi lifting Roger Mason in game six. I mean, I mean, for for Mitch Williams, who had gotten already had blown three saves in the series, two I, saves in the series. Did I? I never told you the Fergosi story on that, right? Oh no! What? Oh, okay. So Fergosi used to sit next to me in the press box when he was a scout, and okay. he would come up for his dinner, and I would sit next to Leslie Goodell and and all that. Sure. And Fergosi would come up, and I finally got the courage to one day go, you know, you ruined my f- freshman year in college. Oh, you didn't say that. Yes, I did. Like, jokingly. Right? Hold on. Right. He goes, it's about Roger Mason, isn't it? I go, yeah. Yes. Why'd you leave? Why'd you take him out? He goes, let me ask you this there, wise ass. Okay? Yes. And and he did it because Fergosi and I actually had built a decent relationship. He goes, if I leave Roger Mason in and Roger Mason gets the shit kicked out of him in the eighth inning, what are you saying then? I go, probably you left Roger Mason in too long. He goes, exactly. He goes, I had no more bullets. What did you want me to do? Yeah. 
Well, I would say this about Jim Fergosi when uh, it was funny because it was always he ruined it for me too. And I didn't dig it as a young broadcasting student and stuff like that. And then afterwards, after college, I would have to collect sound after the game and go around with a Marantz, the old microphone taped to the tape recorder. And I would be in that clubhouse. It was the lousiest assortment of individuals that I'd ever met in my entire life. 93. And I'd been in this business a long time. I'd never never went into a more hostile, condescending, rotten place. And so it was, I didn't enjoy that. And it was like, I would talk about it. So Fergosi became a scout for the Braves. Right. J- John Sherholtz brought him in. Yeah. The scout for the Braves. Him and, and Sherholtz were buddies. And one day he gave me the, I thought you were a Phillies fan. And I said, that gravelly voice is, I said, I absolutely am. And I pulled out my phone and showed him my Phillies, uh, you know, my Phillies cover right. on my phone. Right. I traded out. Right. And he goes, I hear you do nothing. You give nothing but giving me shit over the years. And I said, "Oh, absolutely, no questions asked. Anytime you want to discuss it, come on." He goes, "I'll, I'll. You can, you can, you can screw that or something." <laughs> oh, it was not good. And every time I saw him, I gave him a big wave. Can I, I guys, can I ask you guys a serious question? Go ahead. So Roger Mason, who had already faced, I believe, at least four batters. Yes, he, I think it was four. Okay. So he was going to pitch the rest of the eighth and the ninth. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. I think I think no, uh, he was going to he was going to at least that like to me. I don't understand where at the end of the year, don't you say, Mike, it, this is it? You use him in game six, and then you never you say, I'm never well, no, going to. No, no. But what, I again. guess what I'm saying is Larry Anderson contends that he blew it. Him because he came him in, and, they loaded the base. Him and right. David no West. Hits. Him and David West. Well, David West only Hold pitched on. the one guy. Well, but David West and him made the rota- made the lineup get back to the top of the order, and it right, set it up right. for Mitch to get screwed I'm just saying, at the but end. But every time people tell me he shouldn't have taken Roger Mason, I'm like, okay. But was Roger Mason going to get the last five outs? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't um, know. Was, okay. Was was Zach Wheeler going to get out of that inning in Houston? Zach yeah, Wheeler I, was leaking. Or, do you, or would you rather have left him in there and seen – Go down with your best. Yeah. I don't have. It was Game Six of the World Series. No, it wasn't in, a game in, the next day. In that instance, in that instance, I understand. Except, I think that decision was made at three in the afternoon. I think they. But remember, Wheeler's. We were questioning Wheeler's arm going into that game. Nobody knew what he had, and then he played. Right. So I think they made the decision at three okay. in the afternoon. If we get into the six, and that's the analytics portion of the sport that has and, taken and over it. You know what three in the afternoons for, Mike? General oh, Hospital. General <laughs> Hospital. That's what it's for. I want to ask John a question, while because you were talking about Georgia and, and being down there. Right. So if Jalen Carter falls to number 10, because some drafts now have him projected at 12, if you were the Eagles, would you think about taking him? Oh, if you're not thinking about taking him, you're a fool. An okay. absolute fool. He's a game wrecker. I oh. would say if, if he if – he, last to 12, then that means we're seeing a replay of what happened with Warren Sapp mm-hmm. in right. the 95 draft, right? Yes. Was that 95, I believe? Yeah, it was. Yeah. That draft. And the Eagles took the Mamula. Eagles went with Mike Mamula, and Warren Sapp was on the board, all because Warren Sapp had smoked some weed. Okay. I believe it was the big assertion. But here's what I'd say about Jalen Carter. I would absolutely have to do the deepest of dives mm-hmm. into his psyche 
and figuring out where he's at now okay. and what is and what his dedication is level is. I would just tell you this as a guy, and I'm not connected to Georgia where I have like deep dives, but I, I I've been around. I was around that program talking about it for over 20 years. I would just be concerned that he's not the same Georgia Bulldog that Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean are. Okay. Nicobe okay. Dean was uh, widely regarded as one of the smartest players to ever come out of the program. Just a genius level football guy. Jordan Davis was just this big burly leader, you know, teddy bear, but leader. And I'm not sure. I've, I have never heard the same things about Jalen Carter. That doesn't okay. mean that it, that doesn't mean that they do not exist. So, but I've never heard the same glowing stuff that I've always heard about those two gentlemen. Uh, I would tell you this, I would trust their opinion a lot. If I was the Eagles, these are two guys that went to war with him, but I've never heard the same things about Jalen Carter out of anybody in Athens, Georgia that I've heard about Nicobe Dean and Jordan Davis. And I campaigned for both of those guys to be Eagles. So I'm hoping they come through. I okay. can tell you that. You, you, I heard you t- say today at 10, you would not take any of the cornerbacks, correct? Now, obviously, Never. Like- none. And I'm a dork. So I uh, taped the, um, recorded the combine day that the, yeah. that the corners. corners were on. No, and you did. I actually and- did too. And I read it, and I, I read everything that I could about it by fine journalists, mm-hmm. looked even at some of the draft guides, and then I watched it, and I listened to them talk about it. I do not believe that – I don't want to go over to David Dodge, and he shows me a car and says, that car over there, and I say, that's a beauty. That's the one I want to drive off in. Mm-hmm. And I look at this ticker on it, and it's $37,000. And he goes, John – I'm going to, I'm going to get it to you at that 37. Just take it right there. Exactly. What's on the sticker. And then I say, no, David, I want to pay 44. Well, why do you want to do that? No, no, no. I'm paying you 44. I do not believe in paying a premium price for something that I know is worth 37 grand paying 44 for it. Corners at 10, you have to be in the top 10. You have to be a sauce garden. By the way, none of these guys are a sauce garden. It's ridiculous if, if anyone and the, and the weird thing about it is in every one of these cities, it's not just Philly. It's any it, it, in Atlanta when I worked there. Fans know have never seen these guys play, and they hear a couple draft guys talk about them, and they say, "Okay, we got to go get the guy out of the Pac-12." And they've never watched him play. They've never watched Pac-12 football. <laughs> they don't get it. Okay, all right, but were, people around here have seen Joey Porter. Uh, guess what? You can, And Joey Porter, fine. If you tell me again, same analogy, I'm at David Dodge's lot. Right. You tell me that I am, and David better thank me for this plug. Exactly. If I, if I, if I go on to the lot, Porter, if I'm sitting there and my, the 15. amount of cash I have is right. comparable to the 10th pick in the draft, if I buy him with the 10th pick, I am over buying him. Because I'll play poker. I don't believe anyone else is buying him at 10. Would and you I trade back, John? Would you yes. Tra- yes. Okay. I, and I already, I am on record already saying, I do not believe Howie will pick at ten. I do not believe he will pick at thirty. I absolutely believe he will trade out of the first round into the early second round in order to get because somebody's going to be desperate to get a guy where they can get him with that fifth year if they mm-hmm. choose him as a first rounder. Howie may pick up a second round pick for next, another second rounder for next year. 
or maybe he'll pick up a third and a fourth for this year for somebody else to get into the first round and move up from the top of the second round. I don't think Howie would go long down there, but I absolutely think he's going to replenish some of the picks that he's lost that he doesn't have for the third day of the draft. John Kincaid's joining us here on Working the Beat. I will point out, by the way, I am the one person who won at Kyle Hamilton last year. And I no, you're not. Not. no, 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 no. I, I, I still think it was, I still think Kyle Hamilton is going to be a better fit for the Eagles than what Jordan Davis will be. No, it's the the weird thing with Kyle Hamilton. I don't know if you've ever heard it on the show. Kyle is, uh, you know, he, he's a Notre Dame kid. Yes, I know. But that. he but he played at <laughs> but he played at Marist High School yes, in Atlanta, which is where which your is daughter my, went, which is my daughter's alma mater. Right. I watched Kyle Hamilton play the quote unquote Friday Night Lights his entire high school career on the campus. Yeah. And Kyle Hamilton was spectacular, man among boys. And I absolutely was thinking that the Eagles, when they were sitting there, I thought they were drafting Kyle Hamilton. And I loved Jordan Davis. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. But I thought they were drafting Kyle Hamilton. And uh, I think Denard Wilson's really going to enjoy working with Kyle Hamilton. And also the fact when the Ravens leap up for somebody in the secondary that tells you, you know that they, Yeah, you know it's good, right? Yeah. Whoever's uh, Kyle's a good kid. Uh, let me go to the Sixers, uh, and beyond the MVP talk, because to be honest, and, and look, we do it. You do it every day. I do it twice on a weekend. We talk MVP and we talk MVP. It's not about MVP to me right now. It means nothing to me. I mean, it, it's a subject everybody else wants to talk about. You know, whether he can be an MVP or where he should win the MVP over Jokic or whatever. can they get past the second round? That's the only question that this team. Matter that matters with the Sixers at this point. Well, words matter. You use can absolutely they can. Will they? I gotta wait and see. They have that mental Achilles heel of Boston, Boston, and right now they're on a complete collision course with Boston. So, to me, you want to guarantee you want to make sure keep doing what you're doing and get that second seat. And Doc Rivers said when he came to our open house broadcast and was there as our guest, Doc talked about the desire to get that second seed because uh, you know, if it, I believe a Sixers Celtic series would be a, uh, you know, a bare knuckle brawl. Um, it would be, you know, something off McDade Boulevard back in the seventies. And I think that there would finally be a game seven. And if there was a game seven, I'd certainly want it to be in Philadelphia. So yeah, I feel that, but the MVP talk, it does nothing for me. And I love Joel Embiid's game. And I know that it would be important to him. It's not going to do one thing for me this summer down in Avalon when someone asked me, oh, how'd you like that Sixer season? Well, Embiid got MVP. Cheers. That means nothing to me. No. It, it get, it, get, get to a conference final, and I say get there and win one and take advantage of the opportunity you've got because I do not believe the window of opportunity for the 76ers is wide open. I don't believe that window is like – a three, four year type of thing. It might be this year only if Harden leaves. It might be. And I think he may already have his eyes on yeah, Houston. You know, whatever they call the 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 kitty cat club down there in Houston. <laughs> I mean, I think he, he might already be there. If he asks for his April paycheck in ones, then I know he's gone. <laughs> then I know he's gone at that point. So, so I, I can only tell you. Kerm, Kerm would ask for it in one so he could go get tacos at like a Jack of the Box down two, in the, two, two for a dollar. No, they don't have wait a minute. There, wait a minute. There, no, there was a Jack in the Box back in the day on 420. Yeah, we had right. two up here in Northeast Philly. Oh, I have never I seen know one. That. 
The closest jack in the box to us is Charlotte. I know where they are. Well, then I'm I'm not well, guess what? I'm not going. I'm not you know, I'm not taking that trip. You know what city has the most jack in the boxes? Uh I would guess Los Angeles. St. Louis. St. Louis. Well, there's another reason I think I hate that's St. Louis. <laughs> if, you, if we get off the airport in LA, I can I can say there's where to jack. He, he, I'm sick. You no, know, Jack in the Box, of all the weird things. No, they get like the tacos. The, I know, but the In and Out Burger, like people are so freaked out oh, about In and Out Burger. I think it's so overrated. Hey, have you and Katali talked to, about this? Wait a minute. We're going to Maui for our 40th. We've been there for our 25th, 30th. When is she up for parole? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking her to Italy too with Gargano. So, are you? You're doing that trip? That yes, I am. Fantastic trip. Um, I'm putting my hands in Cuz's hands. Um, when we get off in Maui on the way to the our hotel, there's a Jack in the Box, and I will oh. be stopping there and getting four tacos for two dollars. No wonder, no wonder she stayed with you for forty years. Yeah, you're I, such I, a romantic. Have you let Cataldi <laughs> know your feelings on In and Out? I, I hate In and Out. No, I have not. We've never talked about that. My mentor and I. Well, Which I one do you it, like? What, what do you like? At? Like what a burger? I, I, if I was, I, I don't do it. You know, it's weird. Is I, I guess it's just because of my time in the South. I'm a Chick Fil A devotee. It, and, really, and I really do not do. I really don't do any other. That's fine. Fast food, like how I don't. About Boja, how about Bojangles? I've had it. It's I've okay. had it. Not a fan. Uh, okay. um, I would be. I, I mean, I really don't do it if it's if it's not if, if there's a strip and there's a bunch of fast food places on both sides of the street. I tend to do Chick Fil A. Good for All, you. Every time. Every Good time. Since, since I since I brought up your mentor's name, uh, yes, and I hope he's enjoying his retirement. And if he pulls the Tom Brady, I'll pull a Tanya Harding. <laughs> So that's a warning to Angelo from Sea Isle. If he, if he, and if he wants to call in someday, he's more than welcome. But I will, honest, I am going Tanya Harding on him. And I guess this will come up in the court case if it ever happens. Um, how different is the landscape, though? I mean, you knew this day was coming. When oh, yes, leave. absolutely. The, uh, I mean, it, you do a show day by day, but I'm sure you had to look big picture, building audience and everything for the no day question. you left. We, we've, we've built strategically since the beginning. And one of the things we've seen is that the younger listeners of Philadelphia have been extremely, the 18 to 49 group have been extremely loyal to our show and have been the biggest supporters of our show. While Angela was on the air, the hardest thing has, to be, has been able to get the 45 to like 65 year old to ever make the switch. And you know what, guys, I understand it. Like, Ange is a legend in my house, mm-hmm. you know, to me. My daughter calls him Uncle Angelo. So, I mean, there's no, there is no, nothing but love that comes from our house to his, uh, as long as he stays retired. And, um, but, but like, I, we, we plan, and one of the things we did is tried to lay a foundation of our show's different. It's a very different listen. We're much more like listening to a podcast. We are much more, uh, much less caller interaction uh, we do not rely on, like you guys are doing your content, we don't rely on Bill from Roxboro to guide the conversation, uh, Joe from the Northeast to tell us what to talk about. We will take callers if they're really, really good. We probably take an average of around 20 to 25 a week. Right. But there are days that we want to be, like Mondays after Eagles games, we take a lot of calls. We will bring on a lot of callers. But the other time, we really try to keep it that, 
I think Cooney's got interesting things to say, and I don't need to hear from either one of you whether Bob does or not. You both have your no, own history. No, I agree. Uh, <laughs> oh, Bob's my, Bob's my boy. Yeah. And Bob is, and Bob is sort of, and you saw it even this morning we were going at it, yeah. is that some days, it's very rare the days that we're going at it. But the thing is, is Bob is such the, to me, such the pragmatist and such the even keel, like, like look at yep. things. And I love the way he analyzes things. Uh, I trust his eyes, especially on issues about teams and locker rooms and things like that. Bob's incredibly invaluable. And he's a hell of a lot of fun to be around. And what I love most about Bob Cooney is every day when I see him right before five o'clock in the morning, Bob and I are the exact same way every single day. Neither one of us are moody bitches, to put it bluntly. Right. Uh, we, we are the same person every day coming to work. So I know that the guy that I'm going to be in that close proximity to all day long, he comes prepared, ready to work every day, but he's in, but he's conversational and he's not, you know, today you have to say, oh, is Bob in a bad mood today? Oh, well, you don't talk to Bob before the show. Stuff like that. Um, I love that about Cooney. And Egan is his own monster. And he is, he is, he, he keeps us laughing and fun. And you also and have a pane of glass to separate you so he doesn't get too far out of here. Oh, God. He is, he's just, he, he's, he's a lunatic. But he's very funny and he brings that demographic to challenge. And that's one of the things that I told him when we started the show. I told him, I said, come after me. Question me. Right. If you think I say something that's stupid, tell me it was stupid. Don't soft pedal it. Have 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 a real reaction. And he was like, I don't know if I want to do that. And so I literally put him in touch with two guys, Carlos Medina and Brian Hoyt, that produced me in Atlanta. And I said, talk to this guy and tell him. And they're like, oh no, we called him stupid all the time. We made fun of him. We, you know, and I think that's important because he had worked with a lot of hosts over the years that I think were a little more bulletproof that didn't really want the, the challenge, to be challenged, right. the throne. I love it because I don't think I'm the guy who has all the answers. I don't never think I'm an expert. I just think that I'm lucky enough to be a guy with a radio show. And I try to get a lot of people's voices and a lot of people's opinion to create that discourse. Do you listen to the other show to find out what they're I, doing? Oh, sure. I'll go on podcasts sometimes in podcast form. I'm I, like, Kevin, I'm 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 psycho when it comes to competition, okay, and when it comes to trying to get better and everything like that. And I don't know John Ritchie. I know I know Joe a, a, a little bit. I don't know Joe well, right. but I know John. I've met John Ritchie a few times. They are two really nice gentlemen, and um, and they're doing their own thing. Our show. Uh, one thing I will know is that our shows are completely different listens. Okay, the pace of our shows. The way we approach our shows, um, ours is a very odd, different listen than really Philly Sports Radio, I think, has ever had. And their show is much more, I think, the comfortable like type of format and everything that people are used to. And I'm counting on the fact that, especially with the younger listeners and everything, that they will coalesce to a different approach. But those guys are going to be damn tough to work against, and I wish them all the best, but uh, not the same way that I wish Angelo the best. Like it's not the same. No. There's no, there's no um, relationship in place there. So I think you'll see a different tone out of me at times and a different approach out of us at times. Mike. Yeah. Is Cooney uh, having his 30th anniversary dinner right now? No, he just, he had it on Monday night. Oh, okay. I, Cause I heard you he guys talking about today. Yeah. So. He had it Monday night. It was um, Bob of course got married during the blizzard of 93 
because they said because there were many many of South Jersey girls said hell would freeze over when some woman would walk down the aisle with Bob Cooney, and it did three yeah. feet of snow. Like I mean, it was but um, so Bob and Donna were out the other night having a great dinner. So yeah, they had the the one thing I always loved. About He's at Bob. Springsteen. He's hey. at Springsteen tonight. What do you think? Oh, really? And I'm, uh, Boy, what are you? What are they? Hold on, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What are they paying Cooney? Because I'm a, I'm as good a Springsteen guy as him. I could never afford those tickets tonight. Never. Bob, Bob I think Bob, there must have been, there must have been money stuffed in the cushions. <laughs> I'm figuring it's four hundred dollars a ticket. I'm figuring it's one of those things that maybe you know. And he always talks about is I would love for two things. I would love for Bob to have been able to go to happy hour with my mom uh-huh. because my mom would, and my cousins have told me that my mom would have loved Cooney. Like she would, have, my mom and Cooney would have gotten along like this. And so I would love to have had my mom have a happy hour with Cooney and that they would have gotten to meet. And I would have done anything to get to meet Mr. Cooney. Oh, he, was, he, he talks was about, he talks uh, about him all the time though. And I yeah. take it that I take it that um, a taskmaster and a guy very dedicated to his craft. But I think Bob, I think they were stuffing money in the cushions or something. And maybe Bob took the couch. His, they his dad was an old time newspaper guy. That's exactly Lou Grant. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the first guys I met when I went in there. But Bobby to me is the, is the most. And look, I'm a family guy. I have, right. yeah, he is a family guy and it comes across every time he talks or you guys get on a subject about it. And he's not, there's no BS about Bobby. Like well, you said. The, well, the one thing is with Bob too, is that you say family guy, Mike, but the thing is, I think that Bob's boys that he goes to lunch with. Yep. And I think he does. I think that's where he does his entire show prep. I think Bob goes out to lunch, <laughs> talks with his boys. Mm-hmm. They all beat his ear about what they think about things. And then Bob comes up with his topics for the show because yeah. Bob, Bob, and I see it every time we do our happy hours at PJs and everything. Listeners, listeners come up and want to talk to me and go, hi, how you doing? Nice to meet you. How are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Listeners come up to Bob and they immediately want to talk about a topic. They want to pick his brain about something. Bob is just that. He's just, he just has that. You want to pull up, have a beer and shoot the ball with Bob Cooney. Yeah. 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 It's exactly. Let me, let me uh, go towards the finish line here with a couple other topics. Sure. You are a hockey guy deep down. Yes. How much does it kill you that that team is totally irrelevant in this town right now? It's it, it, it's unbelievable to me, and it just is. It's it's shocking to me because, uh, and after be, working for that organization, then working in the NHL down in Atlanta doing radio and TV, and for for uh, you know seven uh, seven of the eleven years they had hockey there, mm-hmm. I love the sport desperately, but. I really do think sometimes in life people have to hit rock bottom in order to find a way back and to find a way to, uh, you know, to be able to fix this thing. I don't know if Danny Briere is the answer. I take it that he's going to be the guy. He's going to have one of those front office. One of the two titles. Right. But to me, but to me, this has to be, this has to be torn down to the studs and done the right way. And I love John Tortorella as a coach, though. I think he's, I think he's spectacular. And I hear people incorrectly over and over going, oh, yeah, it's just the wrong time to hire Tortorella because he's a win-now coach. That is telling me that somebody doesn't have Google. 
because John Tortorella has three of the he 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 has three six year plus tenures with the on his coaching resume in the NHL with the Lightning to with be, the Blue Jackets and what, and uh, Lightning and the Rangers Lightning. No, he, we had Rangers too, right? And Vancouver, but he had six years tenure with three separate franchises. You tell me who other resume has that? Coaches don't last six years almost ever. No. Even good ones. He has three organizations that stayed with him for six years. And you know what he did? He built, he developed, he he and eventually he wore people out. I worked for Mike Keenan. I love Mike, Mike's family. But I would say Mike Keenan burned people out where they couldn't handle him by the end of their first year. Mm-hmm. They were getting frustrated with him. John Tortorella is not that guy. It's misinformation, it's mislabeling, and it's gonna take a little while, but I really hope it happens because my wife has decided as a as a first time Philadelphian full time now, her favorite sport is hockey, right. and her favorite team and her favorite team is the Flyers. And I say to her, we go to games. We're going to a game next Saturday, and she loves going to the hockey games. And I say to her, someday you're going to be rewarded. Someday you're going to see them, and they're going to be playing for the Stanley Cup or something. And you're going to go. I was there when they were crappy, and I and I stayed loyal to them when they were bad. And I think that's going to happen. But like Johnny, you know, everybody wanting Johnny hockey this past off season. Got to have Johnny hockey. You know, he grew up in Jersey. You know what the Columbus Blue Jackets are? The worst team in the NHL. Okay, I'll give you what Sam Filippo. With him. With him. I understand. I'll give you what Sam Filippo said when I had him on the one weekend. Okay, Anthony Sam Filippo okay. from Crossing right. Broad said you, they got Johnny Hockey. They're still bad, and now they could go get Connor Bedard. It's it's strange. Like they bought it could down, happen, and now you have a complimentary this, piece. Johnny Gaudreau, though, who is he making better? Wow, that's a fair that's a fair point. And, you should and, make that point in Calgary read, too. And go read some of the Columbus writers. He's miserable. Who is he made? Who is he made better? He's got lots of stats, and but who is he making better? And the thing is, if I'm going to have cornerstone pieces, yeah, it's great to have a sniper. It's great to have someone who can bury the puck in. But I also want a guy who's going to make people better. And I don't know that he was. I don't know that it wouldn't have worked out, but it's so funny that the guy that Flyer fans were clamoring for, Mm -hmm. they went from being a legitimate team sniffing sort of postseason play last year to being the worst team in the NHL in one year. That's a fair point. Final question. Well, final topic. The Sixers will be playing in 2031 where? Oh, that's a good question. I Because this got brought believe, up today in the news again. What about this? I do not believe that there I, – I, I, I think Center City's a boondoggle. I think it's a problem. Uh, I don't believe it's a problem in theory, but I think it's a problem in execution. And I think that the, the, the way the city is right now – uh, I, 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 I don't know that, that, that they're going to be able to get something like that done. I don't see a, a city leadership right now that can get out of their own way. Now, we're going to have a new mayor next year, and maybe that'll change some things. But, I mean, the clock's ticking on this project as far as them getting the public backing and everything. By May, I, would, lo- I would love to see it, by the way. So I'm going to vote. They will be playing at 76, what are they calling it? Like 76, 76 place. place? Yeah. I I will I will wager they're playing at 76th place because that's what I'm hoping happens. Because I'm hoping 
they can take that area and revitalize it and make it a more energetic, positive place than it is right now. Do you know the students at Temple are told to avoid that area? When they tell incoming students about areas that they shouldn't go to, do you know right smack where the Sixers are putting that stadium right now, they're telling kids who are new to the city, you might want to avoid that area. Don't be there at night. And that's when the Sixers will be playing their games. So, and the idea that I'm told that people are like 60% of the people going to the game are going to take public transportation. BS. That's absurd. That's never happening. The season ticket holder base that lives in Montgomery County, Chester County, Delaware County, they are not going to be taking public transportation home at 9 30, 10 o'clock at night. That's ridiculous. It's not happening. People will be taking cars down and it's going to have to be worked out because it's going to be a problem. Well, and the one thing today, the Chinatown Business District comes out against it. The main Chinatown Business District uh, leaders come out against right. it. Um, I wish they were this, by the way, I wish the Chinatown Business District and everything was this mobilized on getting their community sort of like, I'm telling you right now, I was in Chinatown in, uh, I guess, June, right. maybe of last year was the last time. I never saw it in such disrepair. No, it, I never saw it, such, it, like on the streets and stuff like that and everything. So I, it's, I would say to the Chinatown business district, respectfully, if you can mobilize all this to say, you don't want the fixers there. Why can't you mobilize and put half that energy to maybe cleaning up the streets? Well, I, nobody's and making sure that, you know, making sure that it's that take, take a little more pride. Cause right now it looks definitely more in disrepair than it ever looked than I've ever seen it. And we are we were people that when we came to Philadelphia from Atlanta for family visits, we would stay at the Doubletree at Broad and Locust. Right. And we walked, we walked the city. We walked everywhere. And we saw, a, over the time, a gradual decline that was terrible. Walking the sidewalks, stepping over feces, stepping over needles, yeah. stepping over homeless people. We would see that that never existed when Mayor Nutter was there. We would, we would walk from Broad and Locust every day over to the uh, Reading Terminal Market and have a breakfast or a lunch. Well, Jen, and no. so these people, I mean, right now, you have to take care, of your, take care of your own community and worry about those things before you're fighting the Sixers on a mythical stadium. Well, and, the and, one, and you right, know, that's part and, of it. No, thing. and the one thing for me is, okay, I think it's better to have an arena there than an empty mall. So Which, do I. And, and by the way, what does it bring, Kevin? It brings, Money. It brings commerce to the to the community. And, the, and yes, and it the, would inconvenience some people. It's going to bring a hell of a lot of traffic. There are things like that. But it revitalizes an area right now that is dead. Yeah. And no one sp- should spin it any differently. Kern, you have a thought on this? I'm thinking, wondering if there's anything on McDade Boulevard that's open. <laughs> I think they could. The bazaar <laughs> of all nations, right? I mean, they could, uh, they could have taken that lot. And then we could have rolled over to the putt-putt. <laughs> they could have left the putt-putt and, I and think, fixed that I up. I think the Sixers are going to end up in South Jersey somewhere. That's what I you think. think like, you think in Camden? I don't know where. I'm just, I don't well, think. Well, the, the, the where that the tweeter center is. I don't think the thing in Philadelphia is going to happen. All right. So well, if that being the case, they don't want to play where they're at, and I understand the reasons. So they got to look elsewhere. Well, they're already over there for their practice facility. I um, think it'll. I think it would be at the Navy Yard if it wasn't. Okay. Yeah. I, that I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, you're right. Which is now the they'd same. have to build. They'd have to build more like um, 
walking trails or covered wa- like covered walkways right. to be able to go from the lots they have now to walk over to that area. But right. that's a pretty. Have you been over there? I mean, yeah. it's it's nice. There's there is parking over there too that could work. I think I'd go downtown, which is what I'm rooting for. Navy Yard. And I don't want like you want Cooney to have his backyard. Bob Cooney to have the Sixers right in his backyard. Oh my god! His family will never see him. They'll never like he'll 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 be over there every night. Cam, I don't want him. I don't want him to go to Jersey, but I don't think at some point if the Philadelphia thing doesn't happen, they're going to look somewhere. I think it's all coming down to May. It all comes down. We'll know by the end of May when the Democratic primary, since there's no Republican Party in Philadelphia, and we know that, right? Whoever wins the Democratic Party, if it's one of the pro-business, an Alan Dom or something, they will probably get it through somehow, some way within that area. And if it's Helen Ginn or somebody else like that, then they're going to be looking. They're going to be could looking fall through. Yeah, we'll see what it's going to be. I, I'm rooting for Center City though, because I really do believe. I remember what Center City was like when I was at Temple, and I went back in the '80s, and I remember and I see what Center City is like now. It reminds me more of when I was at Temple and then Ed Rendell and the total revitalization of downtown where they would have light up the night and the restaurant started to open up. Um, I'm I'm very bullish on that someone else will get in there and we'll start to make some changes. John Kincaid, host of the John Kincaid Show, morning 6 to 10, also on 97.5 and also on YouTube. We should point out the YouTube audience is there. It's how I watch it while I get ready for my... Classes like in the morning uh, until before the kids come in at eight o'clock. Uh, John, I appreciate it. Uh, keep the seat warm for me. I'm there all weekend. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you sit in Cooney's seat, and I guess no, 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 no. I when I'm solo, you I'm in yours. Mine? Yeah, and I no, I mean like because like D line and when she hosts, D likes to sit in the seat Bob sits in. Yes, and you sit in mine. I sit in yours. Okay, it's good. It's a nice. Seat. I always put I, I always put a windscreen on. So I don't. Oh, it's always good to do that. Yes, uh, and I always wipe it down. And Bob and I wipe it down and put. And uh, we actually sometimes even will clean the windscreens. How about that? Well, I'm not advanced enough that for that. There you go. So, Johnny, I appreciate it. I would sit in Patsy. You sit in Patsy. (laughs) Well, you're both short. Yes, stay out of trouble. Thanks, John. Back on work of the beat right after this. Our thanks to John Kincaid for joining us. That was a great interview, and I, I felt. You know, it's funny hearing him talk about how much he loves the city. And, you know, this is somebody who spent two decades away. And, you know, I think he yearns for what we all yearn for, which is a little bit of what the city was um, and some excitement to come back to that area. And I, I, that's why I'm in favor of the arena going downtown, because I would like to see something different. And... You and I have talked about this in the past. I know you don't believe it could work. No, I, I just, you know, it's funny. I, I always thought about what it would have been like if I had ever moved away for a couple of decades for a job or something and then came back, you know, and obviously you remember. I, I just think, Kevin, you know, you got to explain to me in, in, in this day and age with all the monetary issues we have and schools falling apart and it, it, on and on and on and on. And I understand they're going to build it themselves. I mm-hmm. guess that's what yeah. I was kind of led to believe but i was there i worked down there i worked at eighth and market for about what five six years i saw it go down i saw when they came in said they were going to build that high-end shopping i'm like no 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 disney quest right the people from well that was even before that that was i know years ago but 
people from the suburbs are not coming into Center City. They want no parts of Center City. Now, will Sixer fans come in? Sure. I'm not saying they won't. But again, they're not taking public transportation. They're not taking the L. Uh, or the No, yeah, I guess that'd be the L. No, but if, uh, if you're having night games, Mike, there's enough lots down there that can handle it. But that the, the, I, I don't disagree with it, Kevin. I'm just saying is I don't see it revitalizing. If you're going to be, it's we're talking about 41 nights a year and maybe you know 10 playoff games, 8, 10, whatever. I heard the same arguments when they were going to build the Philly Stadium right near where we worked at Broad and Cal Hill. They were going to build it like it's spring garden. I'm like, okay, I get it. And then they're telling me, well, we got to change the, 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 you know, coming on. I'm like, okay, but they're going to play 80, and that was 81 games. So it wasn't just 41. So why does and it work in other cities and wouldn't work here? Don't know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I don't. We both have I been don't the, live in other cities. I know, but I we know. both have been to Baltimore. We've seen how nice that is, what it had done for the Inner Harbor for a long time. Now, the Inner Harbor's worn down, and that's a yeah. different story. And now, but most of the ones that have gone up, Kevin, it seems to me have been by a river. And I know they talked about that here, you know, putting it down by Penn's Landing or whatever. Down at Spring Garden and Delaware and Spring right. Garden. Yeah. But Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, even Baltimore, they're all in water. And and you're San right Francisco. now Baltimore because they haven't been good in, in 15 years. That's like, that's not the same as when I used to take Steven down there. Right. You know, and I don't know, like, why San Francisco, why maybe it works in San Francisco. I, I don't know. I can't answer that question. But it seems to me like a lot of places have them out in the suburbs. And I mean, and I know the obvious answer would be that Philadelphia is an old structured colonial city built in the the, the street grid that William Penn came up with mm-hmm. is, um, uh, you know, a, a detriment to having that kind of thing. But I, I'm just and, and you and I have talked about this in the past and I don't want to harp on the issue, but I, I'm just tired of the same old, same old and. That's fine. And, but and, I think, hold on. I think and, South and, Philly works. Okay. But even with South Philly, and, you know, and the example I pointed out was that the city and the state ended up donating a lot of money. They phrased it in infrastructure or anything for the Eagles Stadium when they built the link 20 years ago. Okay. You know, it could have been so much better because it's only for the Eagles right now, basically. I know Temple plays there and they I have don't a couple. That don't count. That don't count. Okay? Right. You know, if you had invested maybe more money, if you're going to do it, do it big, get a roof, get a, 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 a situation where you can make that a year, they could have made it a year-round thing where they could have had Final Fours, maybe a, a Super Bowl, but more events that would have been year-round and the facility could have been used more. Well, New York didn't do that. I mean, New Jersey No, and, and, and New York... New York got one Super Bowl. I don't know what Chicago's doing. I don't know if they're... Chicago's going to have a dome on their place out in uh, Arlington Heights. Here's my question to you. Right. How many times in the last five or ten years have you went downtown and walked around? Oh, I I do it more than you think. Okay. I work down there. Because I love love Reading Terminal, so I go to Reading Terminal. That's fine. I love Reading Terminal, too. Which is basically the area. I, I used to walk around a lot, but what I'm saying is, and most of the time when I'm doing it, it was at two in the afternoon. Afternoon. Okay, I'm not doing it at eight o'clock at night. No, um, and I'm not doing it. I remember when I used to work at Broad and Cowhill and getting out of there at night, and even sometimes when I would get out of Eighth and Market at night. And I got to tell you something, it, it ain't like now. And I get it near a stadium; it would probably be safer and everything. I I, I understand all. I'm not saying everybody's going to get robbed and 
and and whatever. I don't mean it, but it's just a mindset of people. You know, okay, the Sixers are playing on Tuesday. Do I want to go down there? I'll, I'm going to go down and eat. I'm going to go down. We all think it's going to spur all this stuff, and maybe it will. But again, I'm just not sure for 41 nights a year. Now, if they're going to have concerts in there and which they will take concerts, well, okay. You know, maybe that makes it. But again, the same question I would say. Um, I've just, from my perspective, being a Northeast Philly guy, and I know we had talk of some of the stadiums going to be up here at different points in time. I think South Philly works from a getting to it standpoint, from a getting out of it standpoint, and it works for the people in the suburbs and the people in South Jersey. Because most of the people going to these games anymore aren't necessarily Philadelphians. They just aren't. Yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot of people from, you know, if I picked out neighborhoods in Philadelphia that are, that are going to the games as opposed to Delaware County, Montgomery County, you know, South Jersey, those kind of places. That's where I think more of these fans are coming from. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I, you know, again, I'm I'm in the minority on this. And and look, I'm I've lived here my whole life. I'm not even a suburbanite, you know, transplant, you know, guy who comes in. I'm. I pay you and I have both paid city city taxes our whole lives, and it it to me it would be refreshing to try something different. That's all, and right? But if you try it, and God forbid, you're, you're talking about billions of dollars. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it's, it's also like, I almost hate saying it. It's also not all my money. It's exactly. Josh Harris's money. That's fine. And and, and look in retrospect, and it's replacing I'm, a place that's not drawing anything right now. In retrospect, they should have built a dome probably on the Eagles Stadium. I get that. You get that. We all get that. But, you know, they didn't. So, you know, uh, you know, and, and maybe you, you play. I mean, the Phillies have their ballpark. The Eagles have theirs. The Flyers have theirs. The Sixers don't have one. And that's, that's the problem. And, uh, you know, they got to rectify it the best way that's going to help them or they think it's going to help them. If they think putting it at 10th and Market or 10th and wherever that would be, Go for it. They, they should go for it. I, I'm not telling them not to. I just think, and like you said, it's all going to depend probably who wins in May anyway. Um, and so if that one guy wins, it was Bloom, is it? Blum? What, what, uh, Blum, what, yeah. Uh, and if he wins it, then you're right. Then it, they probably, he'll try to probably push it through, you know, and then you're going to piss off a whole neighborhood of Chinatown. And I, I agreed with everything John said. You know, they, they, you know, put the same energy into, you know, fixing Chinatown or whatever. But, you know, there, there are times we live in right now. And when you put things in South Philly, where they're at, nobody complains. No, I they mean, don't. They do a little bit, but, but basically you're not, you're not disrupting the neighborhood. You really aren't. No. Um, you know. How much of March Madness have you watched today? To be honest with you, I haven't watched anything. I've, I've got some of the scores. I told you last week, Kevin. I am not that guy right. who, especially the first couple rounds, because there's going to be upsets. I know somebody's going to win. You know, Furman beat Virginia. Um, yeah, San Diego State happen. held on against College of Charleston. Princeton's giving Arizona a game right now with five minutes left. Who, who did call, College of Charleston almost beat? San Diego State. Yeah, I, I actually like Charleston in that game. Um, yeah, I mean, and next week, I think what will happen is I'll pay a lot more attention next week because then, you know, the games will – You'll, you'll be getting, you know, you'll be down to 16. Mm-hmm. There'll be a couple teams in there or Cinderella's, you know, but for the most part, you'll, you'll probably have 12, 10 good teams still left. 
And I still think there's only about, you know, eight or ten teams that can probably win the whole thing. Yeah. When you really get down to it. And and then, you know, and then the basketball could get good. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, we all love the Cinderellas. I mean, like, you know, St. Peter's last year, who doesn't root for, for that? Exactly. You know, you're beating Kentucky in the first round. Hey, come on. Yeah. Like, um, but they don't last. They never, they very, very rarely, you know, we saw Butler in a couple of years. Um, that was awesome. I still think that's one of the greatest accomplishments, in, in, even though they didn't win, getting to the final game twice. Um, but, yeah, I, I, you know, and apparently now there's going to be all this controversy with Alabama. Um, with the security guard and everything, I mean, this could threaten to really put a damper. If they get to the Final Four, and I think my son picked them, actually, because he asked me what I, I – I like Houston. I'm, I'm right. a big Houston fan. Now, I don't know what Sasser's uh, injury status is, so yeah, that could have an impact. But there's some other teams I like. I like UCLA. Um, if, I, if I had a moment to think about it, I could come up with a couple others. I mean, there's some good teams. But man, this Alabama thing, Kevin, is just—it's wild. It's yeah. Well, the way they've handled it, and I don't even necessarily blame the kid. I mean, as long as the kid—if he's not being charged with something—they've done so many stupid things in all this. Yeah. Um. They and it was refreshing to hear John talk about Jalen Carter, in that if he's there at ten, take mm-hmm. him. Like I don't know Jalen Carter from anything, and now he, you know, he was. Supposedly the best player in the draft, and now they're saying he might go 12th or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, but, boy, can you imagine the Final Four? And apparently there was only two questions, I think, about – I think there was one or two questions that they asked the kid at the press conference. But they get to the Final Four? You don't think people are going to be doing stories on it? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, that'll, be, that'll be the only story you hear. Constantly. Probably, Kevin, you're probably, yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately, or that'll be the only story. Well, look, somebody died. I get it. A mother, and, and she died, and she's got kids. And I get all, and, and I understand the outrage. I don't know what his role in it was. and But the way that the coach and the way that the, the time he came out for the introductions and they did the frisking thing, are you serious? Are you serious as a university that's won six national football titles in the last 12 years, that you condone that? Yeah, it's not. Or you don't say to somebody and say, what the hell were you thinking? thinking? Right. I mean, come on. Could you imagine that if that had been Villanova? Well, it wouldn't have happened to Nova. Well, you agreed. I agree. But if, God forbid, something like that had happened to Villanova, what the hell would we have done? Oh, I know. We would have freaked out. But it's Alabama. So, you know. One final topic before we go, and then we're back next week. Um, did you see the Edwin Diaz uh, injury last night? You're gonna lo- you're gonna love this, Kevin. Okay. About a week ago, my son was asking me, you know, what do you think about the Phillies? And I said, well, look, I said, you know, it's, it's the Mets, the Phillies, the Braves. You know, you, you, I said, Stephen, I said, bad things happen to the Mets. I said, just count on it. I said, I don't know what's going. You know, one of the pitchers said this is going to happen to this guy, and then he he texts me today. He goes, how did you know that? I, I said, first of all, go back to Brad Lidge in 2008. He got hurt, yeah. right? It was never the same. Why do athletes, and I'm not saying you can't sell whatever. Mike Schmidt came in in 1980 and jumped on a pile. Uh-huh. Okay, I get it. Um, the the What was the one? Uh, Cody Bellinger, like three years ago, did it. Ruined his career with, when he did the elbow thing with somebody. Why do you do that? Why do players jump on each other? No idea. I, I don't. 
understand this, but hey, you won a game, so jump on each other. I, you know, that's a serious. That's a serious. That changes things in the NL East, right? Kevin? It changes things in the NL East, and it also is going to bring up the topic about the World Baseball Classic, whether it should be played or not. Well, you know me; I don't care about the World Baseball Classic, but apparently there were some great games. People, you know, there yeah, and people have really games. enjoyed it and all that. But look, it it can't happen. It can't happen. And and people were saying, "Well, it's a fluke." Well, it might, and it might not. And, you know, so if you're the Mets, if you're the Mets, do you sit there now and say, "Why did we let him play?" Yeah. Or, or like. Are, or if you're the Phillies, do you sit there and go, "Why are three of our guys or four of our guys playing?" I mean, I can guarantee, like I can guarantee, there will be some people in Major League Baseball. Not a lot, because look, this is a Rob Manfred thing, and he loves it, and and it was something that his predecessor Bud Selig had really pushed for. Um, they view it as a way to market the sport, and in a way, they're right. It's sure. it's tremendously popular in around the world. But I bet you there are people in organizations going, well, what are we getting out of it in 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 Major League Baseball and specifically in America? Now, you can make an argument. Should you focus on the broader world picture or focus on the American picture? And that's a legitimate debate. I will also point out that you're doing this at a time of the year where most people are not going to pay attention. You're just not. And people might not be in total shape. I mean, they're trying to get ready exactly. to play a season. But but um, the, but the but the, the, but the but the basketball has faced that same question that you just said. Like, do we market ourselves globally because it has become a global sport? And then you have the NHL players playing in the, in Olympics. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 I mean, it wasn't a fluke. Sure, it's a fluke. I mean, yeah. I, could you imagine? Just think about this. What if that had been Wheeler? That that had happened to. What it, what it was it, if it was Sir Anthony Dominguez for the Phillies or? Well, I'm just saying, Will. Whatever. I, I get. I, I, yeah. But I mean, Diaz was like the most valuable player on the Mets. Mm-hmm. They just gave him a five year contract, and the first thing I said, I would love to see what Stevie Cohen's saying today. Well, hey, look, look, I would have never given a reliever a five year contract, but no. that's they did what they had, what they thought they had to do. Well, good luck with that, because not only is he going to miss this year. He may never be the same. Yeah, they're again. talking eight months now. So, right, but we'll but see. he's going to be—he's going to miss this year. I mean, yeah. he's, he's, he won't be back to they're November. Screwed. They're screwed. They're completely but how about screwed. Next year, mm-hmm. he might never be the same guy. Brad Lidge was never the same guy. Yeah, you know. Well, but again, that's not my call. You know, like you said, they're trying to promote. They're trying to promote the game, and I get it. And and but pitchers aren't stretched out. I mean. Okay, it's a fluke with this, but if somebody blew their arm out, that's not a fluke. Yeah, but that yeah, but that and it could happen, oh. and that could hear, happen in a, a grapefruit or a cactus league game too. I so, get it. So, did the Mets? Did the Mets now? Because as it would affect, did they go? Did they have to go out and, and get a closer or what? Like, what do you? They do have a, they have a couple in house options. They're going to try. It sounds like. Yeah, but that guy was unhittable. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Hey, good for the Phillies. Yeah. I, I, you know, Layla, it, you know, it's, it's, you know, it, God, we haven't even started the season yet. <laughs> Jesus God. You know, it's hard to believe. We're two weeks away t- from today. Two weeks from no. today is opening day. Yes, it is. Jacob DeGrom, is that who we're going to face? 
Uh, no, because I think he's injured. <laughs> well, I knew he was. I knew his arm. I didn't. I didn't know if they'd had any kind of. No, I, I haven't seen any. But I mean, look, the Phillies have their own issues. You know, Ranger Suarez is a concern right now, and yeah, hey, look, it's it, half the sports anymore. Kevin are about do you stay healthy? You know why? If Joel Embiid stays healthy. The Sixers got a shot. Yeah, you know, I mean, they got a shot. Mike, let's because, let's also be honest. The seasons are too long. Yeah, but here's the problem: if you shorten the season by ten games, the salaries who's go giving down. up the money. I know. So the only answer is then to raise ticket prices. That's the only answer, right? It's like it's like when the policemen need a raise. Yeah, you you got to do one of two things: you raise taxes or you cut services. Yeah. That, that's your two choices. So all these people, would, would baseball be better if it was 140 games? Sure. Would basketball be better if it was 60? Sure. We've seen that in strike-shortened seasons. It ain't never happening no, because LeBron James ain't taking $15 million less a year. But it also means... And the owners ain't making 15 You know, the owners don't want to make less no. money. But it also means you don't have mid-season tournaments either, like the NBA is talking about with this stupid, like... Hey, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I have no problem with like the All Star Game taking a week off. Yeah, I do. T- I, have no I don't problem. either. Yep. That that's fine. But this baseball would argue to you that this wasn't a midseason no thing. You know, um, I mean, look in a perfect world, Kevin, baseball would start about April the 10th or 12th. Yep. It would end like September 25th. We'd be done before November. Mm-hmm. But it ain't a perfect world, and and you know. You ain't going to go to players and say, hey, what do you think about playing 15 less games? They'll yeah. say, hey, that's great. And you'll say, now we're going to have to prorate your cut, and they'll, they'll just stop you in mid-sentence. It's, yep. it's, it would never happen. Yep. So I hear guys talk about this all the time, and I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. But you know, the NFL was going to 18 games soon. 18 games. No, that's too much. <laughs> they can't even get through seasons now. <laughs> yeah, but people, this is going to be the greatest thing that you The Eagles were the healthiest team in the league last year. <laughs> How do you think that's going to be next year? Maybe, hey, maybe it'll be the healthiest team again. I don't know. All right, Whatever. so next week we're back. Hopefully we'll have a guest. I'm trying to get back on the guest kick, you know? Hey, yeah. Try, hey, try to get uh, – won't talk some NCAA tournament. Maybe maybe I get Girardi to come on. Maybe we could get Girardi. Love to talk some Phillies. Uh, Going to try to get maybe in touch with one of the guys from Clearwater. Uh, well, the week after, they'll be coming north. That might be a good time. It'll well, be right before the Well, start they're actually season. going west. Whatever, west, yeah, yeah whatever. Um, um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll get somebody lined up here. Penn, as we get. Penn State could be playing next week. Yeah, never know. Well, hey, look, they're in a 7-10 game. Uh-huh. So, and I think the line's like three. Yep. And all their games the last couple of weeks have been three-point games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they win, they would get Texas, which is a tough assignment. Yeah. But, hey, yeah, there's wow. all, all I know is this. There's going to be 16 teams left next week, right? Yep. So they're going to get rid of what? Uh, they're going to get rid of 30 to 42 teams. Yep. Right? 42 teams. You and I know there's going to be also 16 right. There's going to be two or three that neither of us probably would have figured on. No. Right? That's just a given. Uh, and then some years when it when it all goes goofy, then you get five. Yeah. And then by the end of next weekend, well, by the end of next Friday, when there's eight teams left, probably of those eight, six or seven are chalkish. Yeah. We'll see. You know, 
We will see. And so the brackets, you know, people are going nuts now, man, because Furman beat Virginia. <laughs> it happens. I love it. So. I love it. All right, Michael. You got it, babe. Be right. good. Our thanks to John Kincaid for joining us. And our thanks to you for joining us. It's been a fun episode. We'll see you next week. Enjoy the hoops. Homework at the beat. Well, you went.